You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Cynthia Tulin Wilson on my show, Author to Author. And today I'm here with Richard May, who has written a book called Addressing Moral Confusion. How are you today, Richard? Oh, very good. Thank you so much for inviting me on the program. Oh, I'm, I'm looking Blessed forward to it. Blessed to be here. Yeah, that's great. Um, would you like to start us with a prayer? Yes, for sure. Why don't we begin uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, Blessed Mother, I uh, ask you to help us and guide us in this program and through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, be able to convey uh, importantly what this is all about, the message here and what this book is all about, that it can help us in this time of a lot of turmoil uh, in our country and also in the church. Uh, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy okay. kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as earth it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, pray, pray for, for us. St. Joseph, protector of the church, pray for us. Pray for us. Father, uh, Son. Holy Spirit. Oh, very good. Okay, so um, what kind of a background do you have? Have you been an author for a long time, or? Well, uh, no, not no, not really. Uh, I have some publications, but uh, this is probably the most uh, uh, more difficult or advanced uh, book, or uh, with more uh, uh, into it uh, than previously. But um, no, I, you know, I, I was cradle Catholic. Um, uh, and uh, I, I went to Mass every Sunday and everything, uh, but I had a conversion in the late 80s. I felt God was calling me to do more in my faith. Now, I was an Air Force pilot, uh, and then I was a NASA engineer, worked as a contractor at NASA down here in Houston uh, for some time. And uh, But during all of that, uh, I, I studied. I went back to school. I got a bachelor's and a master's in theology and pastoral ministry uh, from the University of St. Thomas here in Houston, and then the French. University, the Masters at Steubenville, Ohio. Um, and I was, uh, I began to be asked to do programs along about uh, 25, 30 years ago. It's when it started. And then it got more and more. And I was averaging 40 to 50 programs a year. I, I speak locally and nationally. I was on mm-hmm. Catholic radio. I had my own Catholic radio show for four years on Radio Maria. And mm-hmm. uh, then of late, uh, of course, when it got COVID, everything kind of shut down from 40 to 50 to three that year. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but then uh, I started getting uh, really concerned um, about what's going on in our country. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, just uh, I'm very much a patriot and love our country and of course the church. And so now I started beginning to talk on issues uh, such as patriotism, patriotism of virtue, the critical race theory, socialism, all these issues that are plaguing uh, our nation, which have an impact on the church. And mm-hmm. Stressing that, you know, there's really, it's like a tripod. You got the nation, uh, the church and the family. And if any of those are weak, then the whole thing collapses. Uh, so mm-hmm. all of those are important and these isms or ideologies affect all three. So anyway, and this sort of led me into the last few years then thinking we really start to look, need to look at catechesis and a Catholic education in a different way. Um, just teaching the faith is not enough. 
we're going to have to teach additional skills that, uh, especially our youth, which is primarily what we're directed toward here, um, where they can uh, engage the culture and change the culture. And this is going to require some additional skills. And that, that's sort of what this book is, is about. Um, so about a year ago, um, one of our parishioners has a very large house and a very large room. And I got a couple of my friends, one's a homeschooler, another very talented uh, apologist. And we got in there, came up with a program. And once a month, we bring these 20, 25 uh, youth in, uh, late high school, I had a couple in college already, and mm-hmm. started with the history of the American flag. Then we went mm-hmm. to the uh, founding documents, how this was a Christian nation. Uh, and eventually ending up with the hot button topics like transgenderism, homosexuality, and all that. But more than just teaching them the faith, we were giving them uh, tools, uh, certain things that you can respond to when you're now in college and you, you encounter this. Because if you don't have an answer, you're going to retreat. You know, mm-hmm. it gives you the courage to speak out. So anyway, that's where we went. And that's what's led me here to uh, this this book, I guess you can say. Parents are very concerned uh, today. Um, uh, there, many of them I find in despair. Uh, they don't know what to do when their son and daughter uh, that maybe was well catechized. You know, and they go off to college, and then they get the phone call: uh, "Mom, I don't believe in God anymore," or "Dad, I'm a socialist," and mm. they don't know what to do. Uh, and so, this is a very serious uh, uh, thing. It affects the family and, and everything. So, um, and of course, they go off to college and. Uh, uh, many of these colleges uh, are uh, just basically been taken over by radical group, the left, if you will, and they're poisoning our culture. Uh, and so um, they be, they really become boot camps for radicals. Uh, it's like a, um, a re-education uh, camp. Uh, ambiguous brainwashing is going on. Uh, so parents are very much concerned. Uh, so we need our own boot camp. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that's the point. We need our own boot camp so that we can uh, prepare our young people, give them the skills they need, a toolbox, if you will, to draw from, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to respond. And so that's what started me on this. Um, I had been in touch with, um, I don't know if you heard of him, but uh, uh, Arthur Hitler, He's, he teaches up at Providence College in Minnesota. And mm-hmm. uh, I heard uh, some of his talks uh, on a similar type topic, this confusion. So even using some of his, his resources, I talked to him about this, uh, that I'm going to go ahead and try to put together this teacher's parent manual. So that's how it sort of started. So, I mean, uh, I would think uh, just from what I've said here, uh, it, w- it would have some use when you think, Cynthia. Um, I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I don't think that most people have a ready argument. Most parents, for instance, would have a ready argument against something that comes out of a college that's that's extremely liberal you know they don't they don't know how to address it right the way right. that it combat it yeah so yeah makes it makes it difficult too to uh, be able to do, uh, prepare their young people too but you look at a typical parish program and some of them are very good you know teaching the faith uh, and everything but i don't see any of this kind of material that i'm about to show you here in there mm-hmm. uh, these kinds of skills that i think we need um, you know, most of the youth, by and large, uh, again, have grown up uh, in a Catholic church, uh, Christian family homes and so forth. Um, and uh, But they go off to this institute of higher learning, so to speak, and everything that they have learned will fast become just a morality of opinion. Yeah. A morality of opinion. 
And some of them will be able to maybe wade through all of this, but not all of them. Um, the pop I'd culture. Say most of them wouldn't be able to. Yeah, yeah. See, so uh, the pop culture can truly have an influence on their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the potential to affect their behavior, perceptions, their identity, uh, relationships, and expectations of other people, too. So, and of course, without God and religion, you don't really have moral truth. You just have moral opinion. Yeah. Right? See, so mm-hmm. this is the thing. So, Today, uh, the difference between good and evil is is sort of relative, uh, you might say. Uh, relativism and secularism pervade our society. So it's difficult to keep your faith and uh, be able to uh, defend your faith today. We need moral clarity. So what this book is doing is now is, is trying to um, uh, address the obstacles, the obstacles that someone might face. Put something in the way here. I don't mm-hmm. know what um, uh, obstacles so that one can achieve moral clarity um, mm-hmm. and be able to handle things when they, they come about. So, uh, again, so, uh, and so you might think of it as a pre apologetics program mm-hmm. or a new apologetics. You know, apologetics, of course, is to defend and teach the faith, uh, to give reasons for the hope that is within us. But before we even get to that and teaching moral theology, there are obstacles to uh, uh, undo this mindset today uh, mm-hmm. so that they're more open to the truth and more open to the gospel. So um, I don't know if you have any family members yourself that uh, have been or friends that have been uh, have expressed what we've been talking about here. Um, but um, certainly uh, it's something I, I think is a big concern. Um, so uh, at any rate, so that's what this book uh, gets into. Um uh, we need some. Uh, we need something more than just reason, uh, arguments of reason, because a lot of it is intuitive too. People have their own positions and feelings based on their own natural incl- inclination or uh, in- intuition, and so uh, this is part of it. Here, we have to kind of change their thinking and where they're at. Um, a lot of these ideologies today, um, atheistic humanism, really is at the core here. John Paul II, folks on John Paul II. Mention that um, there's a lot of disordered thinking today, um, uh, substituting reality with something of our own imagining. Right, so um, it's a failure to think as we should, um, as we're made to think. You might say, mm-hmm. so the core, of course, of the spiritual order is just a willful turning away from God. You know, you see some of these statistics today. I think it's thirty percent of our nation is, is uh, atheist now. Uh, partially, uh, and, and so it, it, and it's a number that's growing. And while the, the number of Christians is getting down below fifty percent now, that are declared Christians is a very serious, serious problem. So, so anyway, we have this current trend uh, going on, and we need to address this moral confusion. Uh, but we have to know how do you think? How do they think? How do they? And you're getting into a field of moral psychology. Now, it sounds kind of complicated on the surface, but I've got it here. It's, it's basically, I have a definition of moral psychology. It's a scientific investigation of human behavior and functioning in moral settings and contexts. It draws on empirical research from the human scientists, sciences and conceptual theories of philosophical ethics, analyzing the human behavior, reasoning, and functioning. You know, think about it today. It's how we feel. I feel like a man, not a woman, things like that. I mean, that's going on. What is culturally acceptable has become mm-hmm. 
the norm, right? So, so it's, again, a morality of opinion. Uh, morality of opinion. I someday want to ask somebody what they mean when they say, I feel like a man and they're actually a woman. I mean, I don't know what that means. It's like, how? what do you wake up one day and decide you're a man in the, in the wrong body? It's bizarre. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Do we really know what it means to be a woman? You're a man. You say, well, I know what it feels like to be a woman. You're not a woman. Um, and a lot of this, you understand, is part of this um, ideological brainwashing, if you will. The goal of the LGBT movement is to eliminate the distinction between the sexes from the very beginning. So what better way than to move in this direction and, and start this? So, well, we could spend all night on that one. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's it's a very serious uh, thing because it's not just the physical. God gave us a soul that's male or female. Yeah. yeah. And then again, uh, you've, you've eliminated religion uh, from your even, you don't go to church, you don't have anything to gear by. So things like this, you know, you have nothing to, to work with. Now, I have the book. I have a copy. Of, this is what the book looks like. I think I'll hold it up here. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope this is the cover. I, that come out backwards when you look at it. I don't know on the, on the camera. Yeah, well, fine. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, and um, it's got nine sessions. It has a, a long introduction, and I'm going to give you some of that maybe here when I talk about but And compressing it a little bit, I talk about natural religion, natural law, conscience, do no harm versus good and evil. You know, do no harm. You know, you've heard the argument, well, my roommate's having extramarital affair going around with uh, uh, sleeping with other uh, women and things like that. Well, it doesn't do any harm to anyone. What harm is it? Uh, well, they, they have to be taught you are doing harm to yourself and others. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That do no harm mentality. Relativism, distinguishing mm -hmm. between right and wrong. The quest for certitude. This is very important. Do we really uh, have a quest for certitude? Do we really try to understand uh, for for a fact, uh, what to believe and so forth. You know, we, we have this every day. Uh, you know, if I'm going to buy a new truck, I'd like to know, you know, is the truck going to be good? What's the maintenance and repair record on these kind of vehicles? If I go to a, a doctor and I get a diagnosis, I get a second, third opinion because I want to be sure the diagnosis is correct. What mm -hmm. about a spiritual life? Mm -hmm. you know, what about a spiritual? Don't, don't we uh, have that same energy and desire to know what is true? Uh, again, the quest for certitude. And I use very good books. In fact, I use uh, for that one there, for example, I draw from uh, books uh, from uh, from St. John Henry Newman, uh, Grammar of Ascent, uh, another good that shows up good. But anyway, so I have a lot of good resources I use on these. Uh, and then distinguishing unjust laws from what is culturally acceptable. Some things that are culturally acceptable are unjust, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and this, is there something beyond the five senses? Uh, this is another thing that we need to be able to uh, convey that uh, our reality isn't just in the material world. It goes beyond, too. And the problem of evil and suffering. So I have all of these kind of topics, uh, and I'll show you a little bit more how, how I do that in the book uh, later. But And we do use principles in apologetics when we teach. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Carl Keating's wonderful classic work, <laughs> excuse me, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, that, it's got the principles of, of sound apologetics, get some water here, um, where you have to know how to argue, uh, be able to persuade uh, in a charitable fashion. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, how, how you do that uh, affects a lot of uh, there's certain techniques in, in that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, but we have to elicit new intentions, new rationales. We want people to think things out 
that we tell them have some time to think it out so that they think in a different way. Um, because they may be thinking about something they've believed all their life, um, that they believe is intuitive, but in fact, they're not on the right path. Okay. So that, that's, <laughs> so, um, again, uh, the, the example I gave, not harming someone. Um, you are harming, you're harming yourselves and you're harming others. We need to be able to, you know, praise them for worried about harming. No, you're not harming anyone. You're worried about harming someone, but you got to realize that goes beyond just, uh, maybe yourself or, or so it goes beyond that. Um, but, um, I don't know your thoughts on that, but I, I think you hear these kind of arguments all the time, don't you? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the whole idea of reason alone, uh, you know, reason can lead you in the wrong place, too. Um, yeah. uh, opinion polls, that's another one. Uh, by the way, opinion polls, interestingly enough, really began back with Rousseau in the 18th century, the French philosopher, where human reason is the only authority to decide what is true and what is good. Mm-hmm. Distinction between good and evil. Uh, so the collective reason of the community should be the supreme guide. And think of how opinion polls this is the origin of opinion polls. You know, people just go by opinion polls. They don't mm-hmm. challenge what is being told them at all. Um, mm-hmm. And many people, uh, they really just want to reach the conclusion that they already believe. Um, even if they, they're getting information from pseudo evidence here, uh, that gives them permission to believe in what they believe in. When in fact, the evidence that you're getting isn't, isn't right. Um, they want to see, they, 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 people see what they want to see. Um, there's always some plausible, um, deniability, if you might say. Um, and then there are those that say, well, I'll follow the science, but then they find out what science is and they don't, they don't want to follow it. So they reject it anyway. Um, but again, we can always believe uh, anything that supports our self interest. Uh, the group thinking this, this is a whole other thing I cover in the book is this, group think where people uh, are in a group uh, uh you, you go with that group you defend what the group thinks peer the your peer the peer pressure mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times there's partisan leanings uh things like that and mm-hmm. uh, groups we have today have said we, we have uh just all kinds of uh people in various uh groups and uh but anyway so you can't just go uh just use reasoning as a way to moral truth mm-hmm. Expertise in moral reasoning doesn't improve our moral behavior all the time. It can make it worse. So, um, skilled reasoned argumentation is also not after the truth, but arguments supporting one's views. Uh, so, uh, again, there's that intuition aspect that we need to change. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, uh, group thinking, I have a whole section there on group think, you know, uh, uh, that seems, and there are different groups that, that'll, uh, that exists, uh, that you, you can think of a hundred, think of a bunch of, you know, just and what we have today, but there's a lot of moral diversity connected with these groups. Uh, many of them, it determines how they view the world. Uh, some people just gravitate to a political party. Uh, so we have all of these various groups and what they think and what they believe is affected by these groups. Okay. So not all systems of morality and ethics are consistent with Christian morality. Um, many is a cultural battle uh, and wars that are taking place today between these different moral systems. And so we need to think about this. So the beginning of my book gives us these various aspects to, that we need to look at to understand the environment we're in, 
and uh, why we need to uh, uh, develop these certain skills that I'll get into in a minute. I'll, I'll give you go through some of these. So any thoughts, Cindy, at this point? I mean, uh, I think as a, a beginning for something like this, I think you need to get oriented a little bit, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do think uh, originally I was a sociologist, and, of course, we're the big opinion poll people. <laughs> I hope I didn't offend you. <laughs> no. But I think that um, there's a difference between people who are trying to find out what people are thinking so that it can be addressed, for instance, by uh, the state if something's wrong. You know, like if all of a sudden somebody starts, you know, thinking, well, gee, we ought to assassinate the president and it becomes a big thing, you know, that would, of course, be extreme. But um, so some survey research is really good. It's it is used and it's used by the government, for instance, to help, um, you know, to help smooth out areas where there's a lot of trouble. And I think, for instance, of um, racism, you know, is, which is a big one and which is a, still a major problem in this country. Um, but uh, so there is a distinction. There are a lot of people that use opinion polls. They don't understand. It's been done by a, a sociologist. It's good work. But they pick something out and they'll use it and they, they don't understand what they're doing. Or maybe they do. Maybe they're deliberately misinterpreting. There's a biased poll on how they're asking the questions to get the results they need and things like that. You know, in a- well, well, there are people who do that. But if they're actually um, social scientists, the majority of people, if you're a tenured professor and you did something like that, you'd be kicked out. Sure, I understand. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So but there the- is a distinction there. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of people just, you know, they take what a, a legitimate professor has done accurately and they misinterpret because they don't see the same thing or they don't want to see the same thing. Right. Right. It's, that's that's another issue. Yeah. Um, and uh but you know, yeah, they they can be useful. Uh but at the same time when I one of the things I try to stress in here is to get the one of the ch- first chapters is to get the facts. Mm-hmm. Even if you're hearing a consensus opinion, mm-hmm. it's important for you to get the fact to for you to see uh, how did they arrive at that? What are their sources? You know, don't accept everything you hear. I mean that that that's very important. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. But I do think that if it comes from, like, I went to UMass Amherst, which is a hotbed of liberalism. There's no question of it. It's probably a lot worse now because I was there probably 40 years ago. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's about I, an <laughs> I know what you mean. But yeah, the sure. point is that if you're dealing with the work of a professor that's a tenured professor and is trying to to get at the truth of what people think, you know, then that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. Not not all people are crazy like the kind of people. I understand. understand. Sure. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I um. I should mention. uh, I mentioned uh, the areas I cover in the book uh, and so Mm -hmm. forth. A lot of these are covered in uh, classical Christian education. And this is a movement that has begun and is growing rapidly. Uh, classic Christian education. This is really the way our education system was from our founding uh, our country. And in the last 50, whatever many years, of mm-hmm. course, uh, because of the progressive movement and so forth, 
This has sort of been pushed out, but it's coming back. Uh, I uh, I'm, have been in touch with several uh, of these schools. There's a very good one in Tulsa, Holy Family Church. Uh, there's uh, Christ the King, I believe it is, in Kansas City. Uh, we have a couple down here in Houston. And be- people are beating down the doors to get in because they're getting out of the public schools. And uh, this is th- and this sort of this is the Socratic method. Uh, you learn rhetoric, um, how to uh, base uh, good uh, thinking, how how to think critically. Okay, mm-hmm. and so when you look at the education, you, you're more than just learning the faith. You're developing the whole human person. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, some of these items. I'm just making a point is that in my my uh, presentation here in the book, they really are sort of joined at the hip with some of the classical school uh, topics. But really, we have lost the holy grail of American uh, education today, uh, I think. This is one of the uh, problems. And, and it's been intentional. Uh, and they use the, the advantage they, they use is, is the plasticity of the child. And they start very young, even now going down to the lowest grades, even kindergarten, where they start this process is going on now. Uh, and there's an agenda associated with it to indoctrinate our youth. And if you look at a lot of these, uh, historically, these radical socialist, uh, uh, national socialist uh, uh, regimes that have been in history, um, especially in the 20th century, the first thing they start with is the youth. And the mm-hmm. education. Oh, of course, yeah. Because so, it's, ha- it's harder to change the people that are older and know what the truth is. That's right. After the, yeah. You have to start early. And that's why... It's so important to get these youth prepared, to give them the tools that they need here um, Mm -hmm. and uh, to encourage critical thinking, because it's a battlefield for the hearts and minds of our children. Uh, And it's fueled Mm -hmm. by leftist teacher unions and organizations and things like that. I just Mm -hmm. heard today uh, it was in Yonkers, New York. I just on the news today. uh, This uh, uh, charter school. Uh, which was formed in the community there, they're now banning anyone who lives in that community can't go there anymore. You have to be from outside the community. Does that make any sense? The, the school was formed in the community. I, I couldn't believe this, but it's the power of some of these unions that are driving this. And I don't want to get into another subject here, but uh, it's something to, to think about. Well, I wanted to, to spend, let me just spend a few minutes more talking about the book, unless you had something to add here. Oh, no, no. This is interesting. Uh, okay, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I don't think there's a book like that. Now, I looked around. I, I know there are textbooks and books written on this. In fact, there's a very good uh, book by Rick Hegseth. Uh, I'm not pronouncing his name, uh, name right. Hegseth. Uh, he, uh, uh, The Battle for the American Mind. Very excellent book uh, that's out now. In fact, I, I went through that one as one of my books. But, uh, but, okay, so it's clear I think we're in the state of moral confusion. Um, and the, this workbook... Uh, basically targets the heart of the problem, I think, and to, in a way, to overcome the mindset of many of our youth. And what's interesting, and I think I bring this out uh, by my resources here, many of the most uh, compelling and convincing arguments that forces uh, moral clarity uh, and moves us out of this moral confusion are, are, I'm thinking today, are from the great theologians, philosophers, C.S. Lewis, uh, G.K. Chesterton, Fulton Sheen, mm-hmm. uh, Cardinal Newman. And I have some of these uh, books here. In fact, I have one here that was very useful here. This is Faith and Certitude by Thomas Dubay. Very mm-hmm. excellent book. Excellent, excellent book on the subject of certitude I mentioned. So uh, 
so using these classics uh, as one as my primary resources, and of course the Catechism of the Catholic Church and uh, the mm-hmm. SACB, uh, adult Catechism for Adults and all those. I mean, there's other resources I, I put in here that you can uh, go into because you don't want to plow through a lengthy textbook. Uh, the goal of this, I have less than about a hundred, a little over a hundred pages, and it's got illustrations too, where it's easy to use, uh, uh, where it's not difficult to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then there's, I'll show you here, there are exercises at the end of each chapter, uh, and examples to follow where the parent or the teacher can use that as a way of, of working with, uh, the youth. And the, the youth could vary. It could be someone with very little Catholic education or, or, uh, perhaps you have a lot of Catholic education. Maybe you're in high school, uh, but again, you're developing the skills before you go off, uh, and engage the culture. Um, but people need clarity uh, before they can, uh, you know, learn the Gospels and receive the mm-hmm. truth and so forth. Uh, yeah. I have a, uh, in the beginning of the book, I have some uh, guidelines. It's a whole page of guidelines here for the teacher uh, mm-hmm. is doing this. Uh, of course, the age group is important on what you do. Uh, there's a lot of pra- every chapter ends in prayers. There's prayers in there you can use. And it begins with a teacher's notebook. Maybe I should be showing you these as I go to show what a chapter looks like. I'm going to hold this up here. Uh, I'll go to the first one here. The first one is, in fact, on moral clarity, I believe. No, it is, uh, uh, no, the morality of opinion. You start out with a, a teacher's notebook. Can you see that all right? Yeah, okay. It's two or three pages of that. Okay, and then uh, you go into a, uh, a discussion section. The discussion section, I mean, it amplifies and uses examples on how you can you can work with the, the young person. And... Uh, for example, uh, this exercise here, it's a bunch of 20 statements, and they're, they're asked, is that a fact or an opinion? A fact or opinion. So they go through it, and now they have to start thinking, you know, is that, is that really a fact or, uh, uh, or is it an opinion? Like Alabama is the best team in college football. That may not be a fact, right? But <laughs> a mile is 5,280 feet, all right? Uh, it's, it's everyday stuff, but it's also theological questions in here too, you know, to see what their, their thinking is. Okay. And so uh, again, it's fact. And then I got other exercises here that they can do and so on. And then I close with uh, Deum, uh, beautiful prayer, Catholic prayer at the end, you know, so I, each section has uh, basically the teaching part of it that can be shared with the student uh, and then the discussion and exercises. Um, so that's the T te- I call it the teacher's <clears throat> notebook. And mm-hmm. it's a place to write notes and so forth. All right. And, um, and then the last set, you could add a session 10 here. I don't have it in a book where you get together as a social, they share, ask questions and things like that. But mm-hmm. very important at the end of the, uh, the last paragraph on here is preparation time. You've got to prepare yourself. It's up to the teacher to go beyond. Uh, if you're going to be talking about pick a topic, transgenderism, um, and you, you, you need to do some homework. And I have references and resources in here to go deeper uh, when you get into more of the theology part of it. Because, again, the book's goal is only to remove these obstacles. OK, so this this adequate instruction on how to use the book. And uh, and again, there's a lot of usually at the end of each section, I have some resources. Uh, the footnotes have resources in there, too. So uh, there's plenty to work from uh, with that. So that's sort of uh, um basically outlines uh, what I have in the book. Um, and uh, so I I hope that uh, as we get moved forward here, I, I don't know how we're doing on the time here, but um, are we okay? Uh, yeah, it doesn't okay. matter. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so uh, I, I now maybe uh, in a follow up session later on. Now, right now, uh, the the status of the book uh, uh, it is with Enroot Publishing. I'm waiting for the Nihil Opstat imprimata from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. So then it can be in a school. Uh, and that takes a little time. I'm on week 11 already, just before they even got it. So uh, I have to. We have to wait for that. So I want that to take place first, and then uh, maybe we can reconvene at some point and and go over this again uh, and uh, talk about it a little bit more, depending mm-hmm. on what y'all want to do. But mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. I have uh, I've had uh, two principals read it. A priest, uh, Seton Press reviewed it, liked it very much. But you know they have you know they have a backlog and this and readership and all that they had to consider and so anyway uh, I, I ended up here uh, with Sebastian and Andrew Publishing I'm very happy to be here with, with them um, but there's a lot of people who have read it you know and uh, so and, and I haven't had a complaint anywhere I had two DREs uh, Faith Formation people read it uh, uh, so uh, all all the uh, uh, comments are, are very very good uh, so I'm hoping uh, moving forward here we can get this out for use um and so we just have to see here so mm-hmm. thoughts uh cynthia here at this point you think we covered enough ground <laughs> yeah I, i'm curious as to when you think this all started oh uh, when you say all started when we started going down the wrong path so to speak well i'll tell you what when you start looking at the history of the united states and then you get up into the 1950s mm-hmm. and you could bench but there's a supreme court case ewing versus emerson i believe mm-hmm. 27 48 uh because that changed some things with regard to states rights and religion and schools and, and by the way the separation of church and state is a bunch of that's not what the constitution says and when you go into the history the constitution i do that with some classes uh of course the, the, it's used as a vehicle to keep religion away but but now you're in the 1950s uh, that and then you had uh, Marcuse uh, and the Franklin School that started pushing, getting, trying to get uh, socialism into the United States. Uh, it's a complicated subject here, but uh, that's about where it started. I would say the 1950s is sort of the the benchmark. I would say, and of course, it just progressed. Just progressed. I would have thought. I I don't know because I haven't studied this, but I would have thought it would have been earlier, like maybe in the 1930s. Because remember, you know, how the whole, the whole country went crazy after World War I. And I think the seeds may have started there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, things don't, usually things don't just all of a sudden blossom out of nowhere. So mm-hmm. there's a time of growth. And I was thinking maybe the 30s, the, you know, the roaring 20s, then you have the 30s. And then you had World War II. And I mean, people did whatever they wanted to f- to a great extent. Yeah, well, you could go yeah. back to the uh, uh, back to the 1700s too. Rationalism. Oh, yeah, that's true. And you saw it there. There we got rid of reason. Now we're getting rid of faith <laughs> in a way. And uh, so, and, and then you know, you're right. Uh, you, there, the, it was a gradual uh, thing moving out, even from the 1800s into the the 1900s. And uh, but it's it seemed to have caught fire yeah. i would say after the 1950s that's when it yeah. came very aggressive well the, the, yeah. the 60s were insane yeah so yeah. i look think back now i look pretty good compared to now <laughs> anyway i know i went to graduating high school in 64 we didn't have any of this stuff <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I graduated in, uh, from high school in 68, so I'm, I was uh, four years behind you. But um, I think, um, yeah, when, when you look at it, there were hints that this were going to happen. It, there were probably places where it could have been stopped, yeah. but took it seriously. Right. You know? And then, of course, the 60s, all heck broke loose. When you look back at the 60s, they were actually probably pretty calm compared to what we've got now. Yeah, so, but, but it uh, was a turbulent time period, of course, the yeah. civil rights movement. And by the way, that civil rights movement, you know, the, the, the socialist agenda, uh, w- they were looking at uh, the, the approach they were trying to take actually got stopped by the civil rights movement because that was the method they were going to use. But now, of course, they've divided everyone into groups, the critical race theory, dividing everyone in groups. That, that's the, that's, they've taken a different tactic now, uh, as opposed to what they had or going to have back then. So, uh, yeah, um, it, it's, uh, it's, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's a gradual thing and, but it continued to accelerate. Uh, and then of course, after the fifties going to 60, 70 and so on. Um, uh, but look at us now, uh, our country's uh, a serious threat right now, uh, and we need to be on the beads praying, right? We need to be praying the rosary uh, because uh, we have to, uh, Our Lady, the country's consecrated to our Blessed Mother, and a reminder of that every day to help us get through this, okay? I'm very close to the Blessed Mother, and so uh, I, uh, uh, I look to her and... Uh, uh, to just get us through this uh, very difficult time. but And I hope this book will contribute. I really do. I, I hope that uh, it will. Uh, I'm trying to get this out as fast as I can, but and, and, and a studied approach, too. I want it to be the best product uh, we can. Yes, of course. And, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Um, I think it's pretty interesting. Do you think uh, any other questions you have or anything or we cover or we just close with a prayer? How, what do you want to do? Um, well, I do. I do think that you have uh, quite a few valid points, um, because I mean, I'm 73, and when I look back to when I was young, I mean, when I was young in the 60s, it was a wild time. But there's a difference between a wild time, which I'm not approving of, mind you, but um, as opposed to not being able to define things as what they are anymore, mm. and that's what's happening. We make up our own definitions, and that's what that's what we use. Right. right. This is- Nobody's saying that's not what Webster says. They're saying, "Oh, okay, let's change Webster." <laughs> so it's it's just an odd situation. But the country has been through the country's been through hard times for a long time, and I think maybe you know at some point rationality will come back. God, God will have to intervene. I, I really think our Lord's going to have to get, you know, it's God's going to have to jump it. Yeah, you know, a funny thing popped into my mind. It's about wild times in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cartoon, this little boy's in a library and he's got this book in his hands and he's complaining to the librarian. What this book here, it was supposed to be on wildlife. There's nothing but animals in here. And <laughs> 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 in a humorous note, right? That's excellent. I love it. <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, why don't we uh, maybe close with uh, prayer to Don, uh, John Bosco? Uh, that sound like a, a winner yeah. or unless there's something else you'd like to, to do? I, I, I think, we, yeah. Anyway, we don't want to bore the audience too much, right? <laughs> yeah. anyway, God bless I, everyone for listening. I, I appreciate the time and uh, thank you so much for sure. having me on. And I'm um, here to serve. I've been to St. Louis 
a number of times. Uh, I know you're in Vermont, but uh, Ascension Parish, I've talked out there in Chesterton. I've been uh, to the, um, it's the shrine north of St. Louis. Uh, Ferdinand uh, Shrine, I believe it was. I gave talks there. And mm-hmm. the beautiful church, St. Vincent de Paul uh, Church in St. Louis. Um, the magnificent thing. It's an oratory. Uh, oh. Just magnificent. And I, I, I've been to St. Louis about 10, 12 years. Uh, but um, I drive it in a day. I mean, I drive all over the country. I drove to Alaska and back to give talks. I, I'm the kind of guy who can sit in the truck for 12 hours. You know, I, anyway. <laughs> so um, maybe see St. Louis again someday. Yeah. Okay, well, God bless you. Thank you. And I hope things dry out in Vermont a little bit. Yeah. Right? And, uh, oh, it'll change. It'll change. You know, it'll be. I love New England. I love Connecticut. Uh, Usatanic River Valley, one of my favorite spots. Uh, I still have family up there, so uh, mm-hmm. great place. Mm-hmm. And you want me to lead us in a closing prayer? So, Please, yeah. Thanks again. I, again, I thank you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our glorious John Bosco, friend and patron of the young teacher in the ways of God, we need your help in prayers, your intercession to God for his grace to help us in this current crisis impacting our youth. Obtain also for us from our Lord a holy love for young people who are exposed to so many seductions in order that we may generously spend ourselves in supporting them and protecting them from the snares of the devil, keeping them safe from the dangers of the world and in guiding them pure and holy in the path that leads us to God. Mold them in the light of faith and Christian morality Uh, to be soldiers for Christ and bold defenders of truth. Help us to work for a better world where the young are given the chance to flourish. Intercede for us as we bring our needs to you and to our Heavenly Mother, the help of Christians. We ask these in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Father of the church, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the church, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. (laughs) God bless you, Cynthia. Hope to see you again. Bye. All right. Okay. Yeah. Dry out now. Okay. Up there. I'll send you some of our heat from Houston. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> I want that. God bless right. you. I'm in now. Okay. You take yep. care. God bless yeah, you. Bye. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.